Amen. Well, that's our local mission, and we'd love for you to pick up a bag if you can support with food, if you can volunteer, and then if you have a need or your neighbor has a need that you know that this resource is here. Uh, as Pastor Molly said, we have local mission. We also have a global one. And I got to tell you, I was so encouraged when I came here and kind of surveyed the mission partners that Pathway had historically. For decades, this church has supported uh, Heart for Lebanon, which is in Beirut. And uh, it's a ministry that I actually know the CEO and had met him. I had traveled with a group of pastors in 2017 to Beirut, and it was to see the Syrian refugee crisis firsthand, to see the hospitality of the people, to do the amazing work of the church that's being done there is really astounding. And as some of you may remember, a few months ago, not only were they facing COVID, but there was an explosion in their port that, that really affected the, the economy in a significant way. A country and city already struggling is now facing economic collapse. And so as we lift up this partner today, we want you to know that God is working and love is on the move through Heart for Lebanon and our mission support of them. And it's something I'm excited about that I believe we can grow in the years ahead. And uh, as we begin to look at, okay, what does it look like to not just pray and support, but to send and to be a part of that? Uh, it's an exciting place because they are positioned in the Middle East to not just bring reconciliation, but to raise up and send leaders that plant churches throughout the Middle East. This is a really cool ministry. Here's a short testimony of someone who has been radically impacted by the love of God through Heart for Lebanon. Take a look. As people coming from a Muslim background, we have no love. It doesn't exist. However, as I came to read the Bible, I found it full of love, honesty, compassion, and kindness. It was totally different. And based on that, I decided that this is what I want my life to look like. I'm a sinner. And I had a temper. I would easily get angry, as I told you before. But as soon as I allowed the Lord in my life, this all has changed. I became patient. I know the most important thing. Love. The love of Christ. In the beginning, when I first came to the organization, I started attending church on Sundays. A short while after, as I got more into these sermons and worship, I looked around me and became so captivated and fell in love with it all. I decided to continue attending. Then I got involved with the leadership studies, and I loved it too. I was so eager to grow and learn more. Even now, I'm still studying with the leadership group. I also got baptized earlier in Bukhah, and I thank the Lord for all of that. I'm someone whose life has completely turned around. I'm always a joyful person. There is no one I love more than the Lord. He is the number one in my life.
Amen. So amazing to be a part of God's movement in our world, isn't it? Today I have the privilege of praying over these partners and then reminding us as we finish our series, We Are One, that we're a part of a body of Christ that is way bigger than Pathway. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and praise you. God, we thank you for the ability to worship you, the freedoms we have. We thank you, Lord, for the ability to give and to see what it's doing locally. We pray blessing over our food pantry. As they expand in this season ahead, we pray that more and more lives and hearts would be touched and transformed. We thank you that many weeks people are finding faith through that food pantry. And Father, we lift up heart for Lebanon. We pray for their leadership as they mobilize in this season to develop and send more leaders and more church planners throughout the region. We pray that you would bless and be with them. And Father, now as we turn to the word, we thank you for the reminder in the book of Ephesians that we are a part of your body and that Jesus, we are not alone. So we ask right now that you still our mind and our hearts open us to receive your word and that it would fall on good soil and accomplish the purpose for which you're sending it. We thank you. Everyone in Jesus' name said, amen. amen and amen. Well, today we're looking at knowing your season, which is also often our season. And uh, seasons are quite amazing, aren't they? I mean, as a guy that's from Michigan, we're used to four of them. Here there seems to be two, hot and hotter. <laughs> Fair? Okay, if you're online with us right now, tell, tell us, tell our host, uh, drop an emoji, what's your favorite season during the year? And think about that in here. What's your favorite season? Because each season, even if the temperature doesn't change as much in Florida, each season brings something new. And, and in each season of life, we can anticipate change, we can anticipate newness. You know, spring is that often things are blossoming and you're excited. Summer is you're just enjoying it. As you get to fall, often you're seeing the harvest and the things that you worked for. And sometimes the winter, whether it's really cold where I'm from or a little less cold here, the reality is the winter often brings a barrenness, an emptiness. And seasons are something that we're used to and that teach us uh, something about the heart of God and also the, the pathway often that God leads us on in life. In the book of Ephesians, we're going to finish with the last few verses here. It's the final greetings that Paul is giving to this church in Ephesus. It's four verses, but, but these four verses are going to show us so much that I think we can learn as we look at the seasons of life and knowing maybe the one we're in and maybe the one even our church is in. Picking up in verse 21 of Ephesians 6, Paul says this, So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Don't you love that word there? Incorruptible. You see, throughout the book of Ephesians, Paul has reminded this little church in Ephesus that would grow that, that this, in fact, is the reality of a gospel, that God loves you. 
Not only does he love you, but he places you in community. He gives you a purpose. And, and when we enter into that, life takes on new meaning. Here at the church, we're entering into a season that we call Better Together. And we want to encourage you to get involved and to plug in. In fact, uh, we start this week with a night of worship. And then we have a couple nights of teaching and then a night that's to appreciate our volunteers. Can we just give our volunteers a hand right now? They make everything go. And uh, September 22nd is that night, is that night. Now, as Paul is writing to this guy, Tychicus, and to the church, he actually will mention him, uh, he's mentioned in scripture five other times in different seasons of life. And part of what he's often reminding him and the believers and the leaders in these churches is, listen, you need to know your purpose. You need to know the season that you're in. I want to tell you that we have a class that starts in two weeks on Sunday mornings during this hour. We would encourage you to go to Pathway to Purpose. Uh, this is going to help you meet other people here at the church to get connected, but to also understand what is our DNA? Who are we in this season and where are we headed? In addition, if that wasn't enough, Generation Now, we have our first uh, in quite some time spiritual gifts workshop. This workshop is because we believe no matter your age and stage, no matter your season, are you tracking with me? Hello, church. Y'all need to wake up, all right? No matter our season, our age, and our stage, if we're breathing, God has purpose, and in his church, he gives us gifts. And we want to encourage you to find out what those might be and to plug them in, and we are so excited for where that is going and what God is going to do. Now, as Paul is writing to them, this had to be a hard moment because Paul was ending a season with them in many ways. He's writing this letter from prison, and, and the, the reality is he's under lock and key, but he knows that God's movement is, has been happening there. You, you see, Paul is writing from prison, but he had been in Ephesus. He had actually been there in ground zero as the church got started. He had been on the, the, the land there in his third missionary journey and had watched the seasons that this church had developed through. What I'm going to do today is share with you something that I believe will help many of us. Because our heart is to love God and love all people in our pathway. We want to get into real community, amen? But, but when we do that, sometimes we need language for it. There's an author, a best-selling author, M. Scott Peck, that was also a psychologist, that, that laid out four seasons of, of building community, four stages, if you will. If you're a note taker, today's a good day to, to, to do this, and if you've never done it, today would be a good day to start taking notes. Uh, we provide them for you at pathwayvb.com FYI, because these four stages are going to give many of us some language to understand our season, but also our season. The first is pseudo-community, and, and let me back up for a minute in the book of Acts. You see, the book of Acts lays out how this church developed under Paul and others' leadership. And so if you look in the book of Acts, at Acts 19, if you want to turn there with me, we are going to see this beginning stage as the church is planted, as God's love begins to move. We pick up in verse 1. It says, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. 
there he had found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. If you remember in the gospel, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, and then Jesus came to bring the fulfillment of what we would receive in that. Verse 4, Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who is to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. I got to tell you just real quick, isn't it exciting that we baptized 23 people by God's grace in August? And that... By the Lord's grace, we've baptized over 40 people in 2021. God is moving. And so it said, when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. He entered the synagogue, and for three months, months he spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, Speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. As we look at this, what is a pseudo-community? It's the start of something new. It's that beginning stage. Some of you are in the first stage, the first year of something, and, and there's this newness, this excitement, they were experiencing that because they saw God moving, but as God began to move, some conflicts began to arise. We'll get to that in a minute, but maybe you've started a new job, a new season, a new home. Maybe this is a new church for you. Pseudo-community is the start of something new. Along with that, often in pseudo-community, conflict is avoided And our intimacy is superficial. You ever like talk to somebody every week for many weeks, maybe at work or at a grocery store, and the conversation's pretty pretty much on the surface, right? How are you? Good. How are you? Good. How are things going at home? Good, right? Nobody else? That's pseudo-community, right? We don't want to get into the depth because we want to avoid conflict, now, what happened to them, as we read, is some left. Some, some went on to say, we don't want to be a part of what Paul is doing. We don't want to be a part of this, this church. And, and for us, sometimes, not just in relation to church, but in relationship to you know, our workplace, our neighborhood, our school, we can spend our life bouncing from pseudo-community to pseudo-community and never experience the depth of what's possible. We can run when it gets hard. Anybody? So what happens next as the church develops, as we'll see this second stage, but I want to do something a little different today. I'm going to use the same basic thought and the same basic question throughout these four stages. So so let me show you in each stage this first thought that's going to be with us throughout this message today, that the goal in every season is moving forward to become more like Jesus while being content. That that actually there's a paradox that we're going to experience if we're going to grow through the seasons. 
that, that our heart is saying, I want to be more like Jesus, whatever that takes, I want to grow and be more like Jesus, and then yet my heart is content with the season I'm in. Contentment is not something that comes easy to us Americans. I'm American too. What are you doing? <laughs> if you're offended, so am I. Like, get over it. We live in a culture of consumption. And to find contentment is a God thing in that. And so let me do this. We're going to do this a few times today. I'm going to read the goal in every season, and you're going to participate by reading back to me. And if you're online, I guess you could type it for the chat host. You're going to read back to me what that says. You with me? We'll find out, right, Pastor? The goal in every season is... Excellent. So let me read to you a couple of verses that speak to this, to frame this thought. Philippians 3, verse 12, Paul says this, Not that I have already obtained or am already perfect, but I press it on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, he says, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press, say press, press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's saying, listen, in every season, in every stage, I want to grow and be more like Jesus. He also then, just a few verses later in chapter 4, speaks to the issue of contentment. Here's what he says, verse 12 and 13 of Philippians 4. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether with well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do this all through who? Through him who gives me strength. This is the goal in every season, is to grow to become more like Jesus and to be content. To do that, this question will follow us all morning, and I hope it stays with us. I'm going to ask the question, you read the response. Are you ready? We're going to try this again. Next step questions to ask in every season. We'll get better by the end, I guarantee it. All right, what is God trying to teach me in this season? So if I'm in pseudo community, what is God trying to teach me? And what can I give thanks for? When I give thanks, I begin to find contentment. Amen? The second stage or the second season is a difficult one. We move from pseudo community into a season of chaos in community. M. Scott Peck calls it that. He also calls it beautiful chaos. The reason is often when we hear the word chaos, we immediately think of the problems that that brings. And they're not fun. We've experienced a lot of chaos in our country and in our communities, many of us in our homes over the last couple of years. Chaos is not something we necessarily readily welcome, but that chaos can have a purpose. You see, in Acts 19... In verse 11, we begin to see what happened as they continued to develop in community. They began to see the power of God move, and it began to 
changed things around them. Conflicts began to arise. Let's look at it in verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I jure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of Jewish high priests named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them and said, Jesus I know and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered all of them and overpowered them, so they fled out of the house naked and wounded. If you were here last week, I reminded you that they literally got the pants beating off of them. Like that is a moment where spiritual warfare became so real that they got their tails kicked. This is chaos. This is conflict. It says, also many of those who are now believers came, verse 18, confessing and divulging their practices. They began to get real. They began to say, yes, I've been worshiping the wrong God. I've been using witchcraft and other things. The chaos began to reveal some of what was really going on. Number of them, verse 19, who had practiced magic arts, brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it to come to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the Lord, word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Say prevail. You see, in chaos, when we're in that, the only way through it is with vulnerability. That, that actually we find that through vulnerability, when it begins, individual differences will lead to conflict will lead to things where when I begin to hear your ideology, your opinions, your beliefs, I may begin to struggle and enter into conflict. Anybody else had a conflict in the last couple of years? If your hand isn't up, I am amazed you are a saint. God bless you, right? I mean, the reality is that when we begin to open up and be vulnerable, we're going to find that we don't agree on everything. And part of that stage and that season is finding God in the middle of that. Because it's said that when they began to get real and the conflict and the chaos happened, God's word also began to prevail. Let me tell you just for a minute quickly about vulnerability. To, to just get this out in the open. There's a friend of mine, Pastor Jake Zesky, that he says there's kind of five stages to vulnerability. The first is what I said earlier, I'm good. The second is sharing ideas. The third is we can share opinions. The fourth is we can share emotions. And the fifth, we get gut level honest with each other. For some of us, that scares us to death right now. Because all we've seen is chaos and conflict. All we've seen is that that doesn't lead to, to healthy community. But I'm here to tell you that if we can, in the chaos Find God. God can bring health through this. And it's what I believe many of us are longing for and wanting. So in this stage of chaos, Christ-centered conflict, conflict resolution brings healthy changes. In every season, there needs to be change. And when we put Christ at the center, he shows us how to forgive, how to love, how to agree to disagree. Y'all are so uncomfortable right now. 
You're just glad you're not up here. This is a hard space when we're in chaos. But God can work in it. So what's the goal in every season? Help me out. Okay, so in this season of chaos, we want to move forward to be like Jesus and be content. How are we going to do that? What's our next step question? We are going to, if you guys could put that up, what is God trying to teach me? I give thanks for today. All right? You seeing how this works? That helps us move into the next stage and into the next season. My heart and hope is that we as a church, it's my first year, right? It's my first year. So some of you are like pseudo, like, hey, hey, we love him, honeymoon period. And then something will happen in the church. And believe it or not, as nice as I am and as much as you love me right now, there will be a moment where there's a conflict. And you're going to be like, I don't know if he's the same guy that he was when he got here. <laughs> Some of you are like, he heard us on the way to church today. <laughs> we need to be able to laugh and love our way through some of this. Amen? Amen. Because we're going to move through pseudo and through chaos. We're going to find God. We're going to give thanks. And then we're going to enter into the next stage, which is what M. Scott Peck calls emptiness. That is not a word to fear. It's a word that actually begins to empty ourselves of the things that are standing in the way of real community. That actually the stage of emptiness, we empty ourselves of pride and control and perfection. That we begin to say, hey, maybe we need to be real. Maybe, in fact, God's church was designed to be a hospital and a place that, that brings healing and hope to broken people. And that maybe I can come with all of who I am and you could come with all of who you are. And in that, if we empty ourselves of pride and control and perfection, we can begin to find Jesus in new ways and we can begin to heal together. Church, Amen. I believe that in this season of emptiness, God can do some of his greatest work. We started fasting last week every Wednesday, New Wine Wednesday. Join us, pray and fast on Wednesdays. It's a way to empty ourselves and to say, God, we need more of you. Let's look in Acts at how this played out in this church as they continue in their seasons. In verse 17, it says, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time. From the first day I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How did I not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, Paul says, and constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not count my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of grace. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Can you imagine 
Paul is literally saying, I've emptied myself. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to love. I'm letting go of my pride, my control, my agenda. I am here for what the Lord wants. And if he says that I'm to go to the next place, which he did, he was a missionary, that God will be with me there. You see, in the season of emptiness, we have to empty ourselves and lay down some of our opinions some of our preferences, some of our traditions, some of the things that we're holding on to. The season of emptiness says, I'm going to let go and trust what the Lord wants to do. Some of us have to lay down hurts. We have to lay down hang-ups. We have to lay down habits and things we've been turning to that God's saying, empty yourself, let go, let me have my way. As we do that, God begins to move in really, really cool ways. You see, in the season of emptiness, brokenness is shared and healing begins. That, that when we get past pseudo, when we get past the chaos, in emptiness we begin to heal and others begin to heal and we begin to see God do what we didn't even know was possible. God begins to create a healing community that is healing its community. We need to normalize in the church that none of us are perfect, that all of us are in progress. We need to normalize that it's okay to take your church face off. I put mine back on for a minute. You guys are scary today. Okay? It's okay to take it off and to say, hey, you know what? I'm not doing okay. I need help. I need prayer. You see, when we admit our brokenness, when we admit our weakness, God begins to move and begins to strengthen us in new ways. And healing really begins to happen. So in every stage, what's the goal? Let's read it again. The goal in every season is? And how do we do that? We do that by asking the question, what is God trying to teach me? And I give thanks for it today. I'm telling you, those two questions will change us in every season. God, what are you trying to teach me in this season? God, what, here's what I'm giving thanks for. Here's what I can give thanks for, even in this hard place. The last season is the season of genuine community. So we have pseudo, we have chaos, we have emptiness, and then we have genuine community. Look at what Paul says to them from his heart in genuine community in verse 32 through 38. He says, And now I commend you to God and to the word of this grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that those hands minister to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When he said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all, and they embraced Paul and they kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. You see, in this season of true community, it is less about me and more about we. It, that we realize it's a living to be a giver. 
that we live to give, that we get to the place Paul was in in this community where we say in genuine community, we're not just loving God, we are loving all people in a real and meaningful way. Sometimes what can happen in community is we can say, well, that's somebody else's job. And I'm here to tell you that that God has a calling, a purpose in community for you. That, That in fact, quit giving up your job to somebody else. Who is somebody else, right? That's somebody else's job to do that. That's somebody else's. What if God is saying that in this space, I want to use you. I want to use you in the church. I want to use you out in the community. That that you begin to live to give. That that's where real community begins to happen. When we realize that we're blessed to be a blessing. How many of you enjoyed the Olympics this summer? Anybody? A few of you? Yeah, it was fun. Fun. Amazing, right? Uh, There was a, a pretty cool story that unfolded that reminds us in every season of being aware of what's going on. Maybe some of you heard of this uh, sprinter from Jamaica, uh, the gold medalist Hansel Parchment. Hansel is here pictured on the gold medal podium. He was a uh, track and field athlete that had done incredibly well that day, but later what came out was what had happened prior, that in fact he was struggling to get to the event, that, that in fact he, he was struggling so much that, that he wasn't sure how he was going to get there. And one of the volunteers, one of the people that was there to serve saw him and made sure that he could get a ride to the event. That woman had no idea who he was or what was going to happen next. But because she said that's not somebody else's job, because she said that's my job, I'll make the difference I can make with the person in front of me right now, he went on to win the gold medal. There's a video that's gone viral. It's amazing to see the moment where she realizes that, yeah, I do remember you, and I had no idea. Here's them in that video. As he came back and he said, it's only because of you. It's because of you that you saw the help I needed and you gave and you helped and you made sure I got a ride to my event. Church, what could the Lord do in a season of genuine community? I don't know what season you feel you're in right now or that we're in, but I want to give us language to walk through it together. I want to give us the ability to normalize some of the things as we continue to get to know not just one another, but each other. That we can be a place where God moves in each and every season. You see, in that last season, we accept each other's strengths and weaknesses with peace, with love, with faith, and with grace. This is what Paul says to them at the end of Ephesians. Let me take you back to the end where we started today. He says in verse 23, Peace be to the brothers in love with faith, away from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. I believe that God is calling us to love each other incorruptibly, to walk through each and every season together, to find true community. So one last time, what's the goal in every season? All right. And how do we do it? We do that by this next step question, which is what? I want to encourage you, whatever season you're in, whatever season you think the church is in, if we'll do those things, God is going to work in a powerful way. 
So as I close, I want you to think about which season are you in? Which season do you think our church is in? And what is God trying to teach you? And what can you give thanks for today in the season you're in? Because every season with Jesus at the center is a season that can make a difference. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you and praise you for each and every season. And Father, we want to move through pseudo-community, through chaos, through emptiness into genuine community. We thank you for the way that that took place in this church in Ephesus. We thank you for the invitation to become more like you and to be content. For some of us today, Lord, there's an invitation to get real and to not be afraid to bring our weakness and our brokenness to you. For some of us, Lord, it's we need to quit being so judgmental. We need to receive others as you've received us. Jesus, I believe that you're calling all of us forward to follow you in new ways today. And so as we turn to you right now, I just ask that, Holy Spirit, you would move in this place. That you'd call us to the foot of the cross to find hope, to find peace, to find salvation. And we thank you for what you are going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're able, will you stand? As we sing this next song, such an awesome God, the altars, the kneeling benches on either side are open. I want to encourage you to lay anything down to empty whatever you need to, to enter into more of what he has for you. Our God is here, and he is an awesome God.
God is so amazing, isn't he? Let's give our team a, give God a hand first. Can we do that? Let's give our team a hand for leading us today. And then can we thank Alana as well as our guest? I want to encourage you to not leave the, the online stream or this room the same way you came in. Maybe God is still working in your heart and moving. We'll stay up here and available to pray with you. We would love to talk with you. If you're a visitor, you can go out those doors when you're ready, and we have a welcome center and a gift for you. I want to just pray a blessing over us, because I believe God's with us in this season. Amen? And wherever you find yourself, he's teaching you something, and there is something to give thanks for. So, Father, we thank you for how awesome you are. 
And that just as you work through every season in that church in Ephesus, you're going to do the same here at Pathway. Thanks for joining us. Father, we want to allow you to teach us and grow us to become more like you. Father, I pray that our devotional times, our fasting time, our time of seeking you would be richer than ever. Father, I pray that we would give thanks in every season. Lord, be with your people. As we leave today, may we love you and may we love all people in our pathway. May we be your church in Vero Beach and beyond. And we will give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said... Amen. Have a great week. Go now and be the church.